0: welcome to why mastermind a business podcast the views topics and discussion
1: will be real raw and unfiltered listeners discretion is advised
0: welcome to the podcast i have the honor and pleasure to have zach france on the podcast uh zach owns a uh coffee company called is it wildlands coffee i do believe so as well, that's coffee. Yeah, where they actually put coffee in tea bags, so it makes it more convenient and more for a an adventurer's lifestyle. Zach, thank you for coming on, and do you mind just telling my audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit about uh, what you do?
1: Yeah, awesome. Thanks for ha- ha- having me on on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, so like you mentioned, my name is Zach France. Um, I'm the founder of Wildland Coffee. And really like my, my story as an entrepreneur actually goes back to when I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if anyone who listens to this remembers, but Yahoo used to have a service called GeoCities where you could actually like make a website. It was like I think it was like the first drag and drop website maker. Really? Uh, yeah, it was like you could literally use a GUI to like create a text box. Like you would just drag and drop a text box, and you'd have like your text box. Oh. Um, this is back in like the '90s, and way before their time. Honestly, like way before their time. Yeah. Um, I, I always used to bake with my mom, and so I really loved making cakes. And I made a, a website, an e-commerce site, where you actually order a cake online. Like it would. You could order the cake and go, it would like send me an email with like, like, with like the description. And I only ever sold one cake to my neighbor. So, oh. you know, I, I ran out of my initial seed funding and had to shut down business, <laughs> but, but that's like really like where, where my entrepreneurial journey started. And I, I've you know tried to start a number of businesses since then, as many entrepreneurs face, there's a lot of failures. When I graduated college, I went. I uh, moved from San Diego to Utah. I worked for two software startups. I was the first. I was the first sales rabbit at one of them. I was like the eleventh employee. The second one, I, I was there for probably four years. Um, pretty explosive growth there. And then the second one, I was you know employee number like thirty. And then um, I was there for about three years. Um, now I own Wildland Coffee, which I launched a few months ago. Um, it's currently a side hustle. I, I also do software sales for a large global uh, publicly traded company. So yeah, it's a little bit about me and my background.
0: We were talking a couple of days ago, we were just talking about the concept of actually putting coffee into tea bags. And you said that it was a big thing in like the Asian market, but it hadn't necessarily caught on in the US or the American market, which was interesting.
1: I have some theories like why that is. it, it has been big in, big in Asia for like 30 years, 20 or 30 years. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are big in the U.S. that don't make it across to other countries and vice versa. I honestly think it's because in the U.S., coffee is either is dominated by like Starbucks or which is they do a good job of like making you think Starbucks is high quality coffee, but it's not like Starbucks is low quality. Good experience though. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's dominated by either star, like the Starbucks of, of the world or by your local coffee shop. And your local coffee shop is trying to typically sell you the best cup of coffee on the face of earth that you're ever going to have. And they're friends with the farmers and they text with them. Right. It's kind of that whole, that whole yeah. story. Right. Obviously like the Starbucks of the world. This is not necessarily a, uh, it's probably not like the most cost effective strategy for them. And then the small little shops, they kind of turn their nose to this method because it's not what they've normally done and it's a different experience. So I I think for those reasons, and I, I actually think that in coffee in the US, it's more about like people in america like love like super 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 strong coffee. Yeah. And I think that there is a belief that because it comes in a tea bag, you're not going to get that like ultra black cowboy out on the range coffee. <laughs>
0: it's interesting that I think a lot of people because of covid have kind of had to shift their perspective to moving away from necessarily going to Starbucks. Instead, of down and having a cup of coffee or Tim Horton's up here in Canada and actually focus on actually making their own cup of joe in the morning, or at least it was for last year, which was very, very interesting. I think a lot of the store-bought brands like Folgers, those brands, I assume they took off? Yeah. Like, your mean, thoughts anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, I definitely don't think that COVID has made people reimagine kind of their rituals and convenience and the things that they prioritize. And really like the big trend that is helping, frankly, that that's helping me right now is outdoors, van life, camping, traveling, like traveling in an outdoor setting. You know, one thing and being in sales my, my, my whole career, one thing that, that that I know is that switching costs are a very real thing. Um, and in the software world, there's, you know, it could be hundreds of thousands of dollars to switch to a new software um, in the consumer world. It's more about like an emotional switch. It's it's, it's more about like the ritual switch. So if someone is like die hard, let's say about their French presses or drip coffee, like whatever it might be like, I'm not necessarily trying to get someone to. To say, Hey, I no longer want to do a French press at home. That's a very expensive proposition for me to try to get someone to like ditch what they've been doing for like, you know ten years or something. What I'm trying to say is like, hey, when you're out camping or when you're traveling or when you're in a rush, don't settle for shitty coffee. Take that ritual that you love of making coffee and take that somewhere else. don't don't settle for, instant coffee or a subpar method, like you can have really good coffee and have a great ritual no matter where you are. So I'm, I'm trying to like extend that ritual to other areas that like it wasn't necessarily available to them before.
0: Hmm which is definitely interesting, especially in our culture, where we tend to be go, go, go. And actually looking at the European culture, they're actually a lot more relaxed. I'm not too sure about Asian culture, but I I know for American and European culture, it's two totally different cultures, especially heading towards Italy and kind of how they do things uh, and Germany even. And they tend to take a lot of breaks and focus more on their families and actually community, and they might have time to actually sit down and actually have a cup of coffee in the morning, or at least a few good cups, um, just because the work culture allows for it, which is interesting.
1: I think there's definitely something to, to be said about the fact that Americans are impatient, and <laughs> they uh, they want everything now, but I also think that's, that's probably more like a generational thing across oh, yeah. culture. Oh yeah. With like social media and you know, that, that is like another trend that is definitely playing in my favor is, you know, I, I want something good and I don't want to wait for it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Um, and, and and that is what a lot of people tell me is like, the, they'll, they'll email me or message me and say, Hey, like this, this cup of coffee was just as good as my French press. Hmm. And so like, I, I see that as like a, obviously a, a major endorsement of the product because you can get something very good and it doesn't have to be laborious with like a frustrating cleanup. Cause you know, with this, end, I'm drinking it right now. Like when you're done with it, you just throw the tea awesome. bag in the trash and you're done.
0: Yeah.
1: It's that easy. Uh,
0: and you could probably use it for compost and stuff like that. So it's, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, the actual tea bag itself is compostable. Mm. Um, it's made out of corn fiber Ooh. and then, uh, the wrapper is recyclable. Mm-hmm. And once I get to a certain scale, I'll actually be able to move my pouches over to compostable, so that's that would be like really exciting for me. There's there's the the environmentally friendly uh, movement when it comes to food is much more complicated than people think it is. Like it's very difficult to just like move over to, to compostable packaging because with compostable packaging it's not as airtight, like on like a, not on, like, you can't see the holes, right? But like, on like a, like a structural level, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. And so you have a de- decreased shelf life. Um, you obviously have like increased costs. You, you're kind of playing the balance between being environmentally friendly, but at the same time, like your shelf life for my product would be decreased by 50%. Wow. So at the same time, like I'm potentially running into a situation where I might have to throw away product. And that is also not environmentally friendly. Mm. Um, I'm running into a situation where, you know, if too much air gets in the bag, it, my coffee is going to taste stale. I'm going to have a bad customer experience, thus wasting product. Mm. So it's not quite as cut and dry as, you know, you know, the media or, you know, that, that kind of common knowledge would make you think there's there's a lot of factors that go yeah. into it.
0: And even for, because I'm more so in manufacturing and to even try to go <laughs> eco-friendly with our product, it's a lot harder to do. Like considering build quality um user experience durability all, all those other and costs too right you you don't want to blow up attack you charge something if you're charging let's say 200 dollars, and it costs you 100 dollars to make it that just doesn't make sense right like you're not going to have mm-hmm. a strong enough margin to to be in business any longer which is it's extremely difficult to be able to go green really at any stage But I think it's a, but I think it's a worthwhile endeavor as well. It just takes time and
1: planning. I I was just going to say that. And like there, it's a chicken or the egg thing because, and people can say the same thing about like electric vehicles, like, Hey, like, is it, yeah, you're not using gas, but like making a battery isn't exactly environmentally friendly. And what are you going to do with the batteries? Like those are legitimate concerns, (laughs) The but the answer is not don't do it. Because if you don't like imagine if someone in the very beginning of airplanes was like, Well, the airplanes aren't very good right now. So like let's just keep with the horse and buggy. Hmm. And like, okay, well you have to get through the shitty ones to get to the 747. Right, Like we have to get through, like there has to be demand. People have to say, hey, you know what? Like I believe in this. And so I'm going to make a purchase because without making the purchase, the company isn't going to invest in R&D to then make it better to get to a place where it is much more greener. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with like the compostable packaging. It's, I think everyone, I think um, on a intellectual level says, hey, this is a great option. Mm Um, but there has to be companies and, and I will do it eventually. Like, I hope I can do it sooner than later. Hmm. Um, cause I do think the risks are worth the reward. Um, not only from like a business perspective, but also from a societal perspective, like I want to be part of the solution where, um, you have to have companies like mine that will invest in the compostable packaging for the company who's making it to then make it better. Cause if you don't buy the first version, you're never going to get to the second version. Hmm. Yep. So, um, it's, you know, and I, I would say your product is even, is much more challenging. Like you have a fairly complex product as opposed to mine, which is, you know, there's three pieces. There's the tea bag, there's the coffee, and there's the pouch. <laughs> You've got a piece of electronics, which is far more complicated than what I'm doing.
0: It's been interesting to, to actually go through that process of saying my competitors aren't necessarily going green. And why is that? And if they are going green, What are the problems that they're having to deal with? I just think that that needs to be addressed before you even consider pushing into going green or being environmentally friendly or doing all that stuff. It needs to be, what's the opportunity cost if I don't? Yeah. What's the opportunity cost if I do? It's just a very interesting question. Could
1: could you even make your product quote unquote green? Like, could you make it out of recycled plastic? Is that even possible?
0: You know what? I've been looking into it for a while. I mean, considering though I'm actually working on the prototype now, I wanted to actually just get it out and then make small little improvements over time. And just because I already know, know, I'm I'm making the exterior out of wood. So I have, and that's a whole nother, gambit in itself and i'm trying to be as environmentally friendly with that as i possibly can and that's not easy either um because yeah. i know i'm gonna have people working for me and i don't necessarily want them to get sick i want them to be able to to actually do the job and do it properly and that the product is still still gonna hold up a year two years three years down the road
1: yeah um, have you I, I i don't remember what the name of the, the company is but they um It's a watch company and they're, I think it's called wood watch or I I don't know. My, actually my, my best friend who's getting married, he gave all of us, like all of his, his groomsmen, um, these like wood watches, um, maybe a company you want to check out, but like the fact that you're going wood over plastic, like I, again, it's not a perfect solution, but it's, I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it's it's better than using petroleum-based products. With the cost of lumber right now, (laughs) you know, that's that's an issue.
0: (laughs) I was not expecting this, trust
1: me. Um, Yeah, you were expecting the the price of wood to go up by 100%? No. No. Why why do you put that, you should have put that into your business plan. Come on, man. (laughs)
0: you know what, just like at the beginning of COVID with the toilet paper and, and that (laughs) shooting up to things are starting, but it seems like some level of balance. How did you build your business?
1: Yeah. So I I actually started uh, another company at the end of 2019. It was the same format of coffee. I started with a business partner and. Uh, we, it was actually my mom, my mom's best friend's son. So it's kind of mm. like my cousin. Yeah. Um, you know, like kind of your cousin you see like twice a year at like Christmas and Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, um, you know, things just didn't, it just didn't work out there. Uh, the number one cause of business failure failing is business partner issues. And this was no different, you know, mm. so learned a lot. Um, and so, some of the mistakes that I made in that first round were um, trying to go to market with a product that we felt was quote unquote done. Um, and what I mean by that is like, we came up with a design and my business partner, what he, he he's like professionally, like he does branding. So like, he's really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless of like how good you are at something, when you're bringing a product to market,
0: the market has to determine
1: the, the market has to determine what's good, like it looked good yeah let me, let me put it that way. it looked really good, yeah um the problem is is like it had it lacked some functional elements oh. to it, um and so we like spent this time and all this money we like actually like, went down to Guatemala, we like met these farmers, we spent money on like a video, right we did all these things that at the end of the day like didn't really drive any revenue towards the business. Um, and again, these are all worthwhile endeavors, but if you don't have a business, like you're just going on vacation. Yep. (laughs) So, um, which honestly it was really fun. Like I'm, I'm glad we went. Um, but we, we spent, we basically got, we, we got the cart before the horse. Um, and, so that was like the first mistake that we made. Um, and then kind of piling on the mistakes is if you're going to be doing Facebook ads or, you know, like just any ads, let's, let's just say any, any level of advertising. One, you have to seriously commit to it. Like you can't just kind of like dip your toe into Facebook ads or or other forms of, of media. Like you kind of have to like go all in. Um, and we didn't, really know that. We didn't quite have the funds to go all in. And so we would, we like slowly bled money on ads and didn't really get anywhere with the business. Um, and so, you know, the, it caused a lot of friction. It caused a lot of tension. I, I was working on getting us into retail. We were actually pretty successful at getting into retail. So sell in, but sell through was very, was dismal at best. And you know, if if it wasn't COVID, because we started in uh, October of 2019, like if COVID wasn't like, maybe it would have been different because we could have gone and sampled and and done these other things. But you know, the situation was the situation. Yeah. Um, and so so this time, what I did was I I, I took a much leaner approach, and um, I I found a guy that does graphic design for four hundred dollars a month, like literally like unlimited. Graphic design for four hundred dollars a month. Um, he designed my my packaging. So basically, for four, for twelve hundred bucks, I got my packaging and I got a website. Which is what? Like, yes, yes. What? Wh- what? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Now, again, this is in the context of a lean startup. Yeah. This, I'm not saying that this is not like a fully fledged Shopify website with plugins, like. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. This is a website that you can buy something on. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what I need right now. I don't need. Now, actually, like this weekend, I'm actually gonna. I'm actually gonna start moving over to Shopify. But my point is, is like, you don't have to spend fifty grand on a website. No. Like, oh no. You don't need to go spend a hundred thousand dollars on a branding agency. Like, why? You might get better results, but again, like, mm-hmm. you're just starting out. So twelve hundred bucks on like my my website, my branding. Now this time, another big thing, instead of launching with three SKUs, I'm launching it with one SKU. Hmm. So that automatically cuts my cost of goods in by 66%. Instead of, <clears throat> instead of, uh, doing like an initial pat run with my, like with, uh, with the branding printed on the actual pouch I got, they just put the product in like a silver foil and I got stickers. So then I got I like went out I could get some feedback so I was able to make like some 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 iterations based on customer feedback mm. before I actually committed to doing the first packaging run which is happening in two weeks so I'm I'm starting to like taking kind of smaller bites out of things so I can so I'm not overly committed to something mm. and I can make changes along the way
0: yeah and and you know what I I think I think for um, I think for a lot of people, um, they tend to go because because I did it too. Uh, I kind of overcommitted on my first couple, and I'm like, and I'm like, okay. I'm gonna build this brand. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be great. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do all this. I'm gonna do all these sales and all this other stuff. And then, and then I never I never I never I never even got to the marketing phase of it. It just mm-hmm. didn't work out. Um, just because it wasn't what the market required.
1: And that was when you say like the product wasn't what the market required or the messaging or what, what was not required. So, so, okay. So,
0: so I'll be, I'll I'll be, I'll be honest. Uh, My first business was when I was 16 and that one was, was from a government, it was through a government program. Um, uh, and I, I, I did marketing now, now this is back in what, 20, I would say 2013, 2012, okay. right. Where a lot of, um, a lot of, um, people are not necessarily on social media, but social, social media starting starting to pick up pace. Yeah. Right. And, and I had no idea, uh, what the generations were, and, and and really really diving into that. Um, so what I so what I had done was I I had a mentor, um, and he was in and he was in uh, beer, which was interesting. Uh, but he didn't really have the hands on experience that I needed to to necessarily um, move forward, and he was trying to he was he, he was trying to move me into websites. And I'm like, I I don't think websites are because because to be honest with you, I didn't really want to do websites. I wanted to do more, more hands on graphics than that. Uh, mm-hmm. But it just didn't. It it just it just wasn't the right time. And what I and what I began to realize as the years went by, because I shut down the business maybe two years later. And I'm like, if I if I if I'd kept it and if I just pivoted it a little bit more and focused more on the video and focusing more on on getting content out and focusing more on content-based stuff, I probably would be doing very, very well right now in, in, in that area. But, right, that's either, that's either here nor there. And then, and then, and uh, 20. yeah, <laughs> and then and then I did um and then I did t-shirts and that didn't even uh, I printed, I printed <laughs> I printed like what was it I printed like 75 t-shirts
1: like at home or like how did you get them printed
0: um I went to a sh- I went to a shop near my house and got them printed and I spent all this money to get them printed and I'm like and I'm like okay I'm I'm gonna sell I'm gonna sell all these t-shirts within a month I have no <laughs> worries two years later I have I had I had a drawer in my in my in my bedroom full of t-shirts and i'm like how am i gonna sell these so basically what i did was i didn't even bother even selling them i just i just packaged them up and threw them in a garbage bag and then just tossed them in the charity bin and just said here just somebody else could take it
1: right well so and, and i think that's like so it's funny i actually in in high school i tried to start a uh, tried to start uh A shirt company. I don't know if this fairy tale is like universal or if it's like an American thing. But uh, have you ever heard of uh, the 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 emperor's clothes, like the emperor's clothing, like fairy tale, where like Uh, I think no, like emperor thought he was so rich he did he like he thought he was wearing clothes, but he was actually naked. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever heard of that? Mm -mm, No. Okay, but basically, it's like a story where he he thought he was so cool and so rich and like someone was like oh yeah just like put the shirt on but there was like mm-hmm. it was like there was like no clothes like he was like walking around naked but he thought he had clothes on mm-hmm. it's like you'll have to google it but <laughs> um so we called the clothes we called the clothing company emperor's clothes and the tagline was for na- for naked people oh. um, which okay. was very clever <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, we like got all these shirts printed out, and like we didn't. And then we never sold any of them. Um, but like, I think what's interesting about the way that like people can do business today is uh, companies like Printful, or yeah. and there's there's other ones too, where you can like print on demand. Yeah. So like, if you wanted to start that same business today. You would have you wouldn't have to have any inventory. You could throw up a Shopify website connected to Printful, and when people bought a shirt, Printful would print it out and send it to the person on your behalf. Like you could literally do that business today and have no inventory, and you're you could get the business started for like five hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, and and you know what? It's it's interesting because I didn't even know the margins for T-shirts and clothing apparel businesses. It is. It is a lot worse uh, for margins, and it this this like like to sell a t shirt like you're earning maybe twenty percent margins, maybe just because yeah. just because in the sheer volume that you that you'd have to be printing at to, uh, to actually to actually get a good discount, and then you still want to get good quality um, blanks, and that's hard. And then you gotta, get, and then you get, and then you gotta get a good quality printer who knows what they're doing, and is not just printing willy nilly. And that's hard. And then you gotta go with the with 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 direct to garment or screen printing or embroidery, and that costs money. And then you gotta ship everything out, and that costs even more money.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. and I, you know, I I think a lot of those problems, like actually, have been solved. I. Cause I, I'm actually literally going through this right now. Like, um, my graphic designer that I pay $400 a month, he's making some shirts for me. We're lo- like literally today, he's putting them all, all up on Printful, and you can, and what's cool is like, you can choose your brands. Like they've got like, you can get like American apparel or you got like American apparel, you got Gildan, right. And there's like other brands of shirts too. I, I don't know what all the brands are, but like, um, you just say, Hey, like, I want this shirt and you load up the design and like that's it like it's crazy yeah. the opportunity for people to start businesses today is it's unparalleled in history like oh yeah it's never been easier and cheaper and faster to start a business yeah. than it is in 2021
0: and 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 to, e- to even to even go as far as to even to even if you wanted if you wanted to go out and do something different like um uh we have a, our, I have a family friend. Um, she's I mean, she started a baking business and she's charging she's charging like like I would say fifty dollars for six cakes or for six cupcakes. They're really good. They 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 are they are really good. But the cost sure. to buy is a. It's it, it, it's insane, but the cupcakes are really, really, really good. I I, I was quite surprised. Um, and and then Just she to
1: a lot of cupcakes.
0: Well, you know what? It, it it's it's interesting. Um, I'm not too sure. I ha- haven't had a t- I haven't had a chance to sit down with her and talk to her yet. But I would I would love to like like to at least hear her process. Um, be- because I know baked goods tend to have a lower, um, um. Uh, entry costs just because you're paying for materials and you already like a lot of people already have a mixer or spatula and and, and those types of equipment so it's a little bit easier to get into versus um, um versus uh, manufacturing or 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 even I would say um, yard work even in some cases depend depending on depending on where you're at depending
1: on yeah you're at. I also think that there's I'm just trying to think back to like my, my experience is like, like I kind of feel like the early two thousands was like, was like the heyday for mass quantity, low cost products. And now that we're, I think because of social media, yeah. um, we are moving into more of a world where there are more specialty products. Um, and, you know, there are, um many there are like many more options. Um and so I can honestly see someone paying 50 bucks for six cupcakes. Like that yep. doesn't even oh, that, that yeah. doesn't even blow my mind. Honestly, probably cost her 15 bucks is my guess. Yeah. But you know, they're probably like the best cup the probably the best cupcakes you've ever had. Yes. So if you're depressed, hey Go eat six cupcakes, dude. Like yeah. that'll, that'll make you feel better. Fuck yeah!
0: It, it, you know it, it, it's it's interesting that that COVID has given a lot of people the ability and the I would say almost the will to actually start their own businesses and and to not necessarily have to go out and work or or, or, or really work as hard at their traditional job. Which is interesting, um, and, and 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 one of the reasons, and and one of the, and really one of the one of the pillars that I kind of based my business around is the gig is the gig economy. So 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 so, so, so the, the the way that we have it planned out is that is that we're gonna have um, uh, craftsmen and electronic guys and people who actually know what they're doing building the product, right? And then we pay them. I, 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 of course, we're starting off with the salary for now, but I would like to move them more towards uh, being paid per order, just because. Uh, just because that that's that that would be a little bit more advantageous for them and beneficial for them down the line, because we're only producing, let's say, uh, maybe about nine hundred units for the year, right? So, so that's not. It's not. It's not a lot, but. I think moving towards a salary would would probably be better, but, but the foundation for that um, concept um, is already in the foundation of the company.
1: That's interesting. I I'm, I'm curious how you're going to. So when you say you have a craftsman, like, is someone taking a piece of wood and like, like, Uh, like notching out where the headphone goes in the wood like explain this
0: so uh and so what's gonna happen is we're having cabinet makers boat makers uh people with uh master's and bachelor's degree in uh electrical engineering um actually coming together and actually building the product so so all we're doing is basically taking a piece of wood and then basically crafting uh, a portable charging station and the headphones out of the exterior, out of wood, and then actually building the internals uh, around it, which is interesting. How much are you charging? 350 I don't feel like that's enough. It's it's not, um, but I do have a a plan for that as well. I mean, since we're new to the market, I, I didn't necessarily want to overcharge. I wanted the market to kind of dictate it. And from the, I did a survey. So from the survey that I that I got, it was really low, which was surprising. But so I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to set it here. I'm going to set it up at 350 for now. I'm going to take the lessons learned from from this brand up here and then scale it up and then scale down if I need
1: to. So each each headphone is going to be handmade. Yes, to, to an extent. Yes. Uh, that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, like, I, I think there's like it's a niche market, but like, it's not, it's not a small niche market. Like, and there's how many other headphone companies are handmade? Like, that's, that's pretty cool. Like I do. I honestly think you could charge like a thousand dollars for that. (laughs) No joke. I I seriously think you could probably charge a thousand dollars for a pair of Handmade headphones oh, yeah. by a nice Canadian person.
0: It's definitely interesting because it when the business takes off, I would love to be able to expand to the U.S. market. So basically what would happen is we would take the same foundation, essentially, when you order from the U.S., your product is made in the U.S. When you order from Canada, your product is made in Canada. When you order from Europe, your product is made in Europe. I want to be able to keep it local wherever you're buying.
1: The whole like made local thing, like yeah. I... <laughs> Again, it's kind of like the recite, like the compostability thing. Like, there's, I think there's like a lot of like legitimate desire to make that happen. Yeah. And then you get into like the weeds with the details, and then it kind of people, it kind of breaks down. Yeah. It's like, hey, like, yeah, you can buy, um, you can buy, here's like a really good example.
0: Hmm.
1: You can buy this, uh, I, I really like hard kombucha. It's like my new thing. Yeah. And actually, San Diego is kind of like, actually like a hub for it, interestingly enough. I have never tried it actually. Dude, you got to get used to the taste a little bit. Mm. Unless you've already been drinking kombucha then it's then you're used to it. But like the taste is like it it's a unique taste. Mm. It's not bad, it's just unique. And I'm not like a big drinker, but when I do have even like two beers, mm. like I I get a headache like immediately. And with hard kombucha like I don't, like, I don't get hungover. I went to the liquor store to get some hard kombucha and there's like one in, made in San Diego. I'm like, oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, I go to check out and it's $20 for four cans. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hold on. <laughs> I want to support my, my local hard kombucha yeah. brewer, right? But at five dollars a can? Yeah. Like and that's a bit
0: steep, right? And that's why I, I kind of decided to actually bring the, I've I still have fantastic margins. Don't get me wrong. Huh? Based on that, a lot of the work, a lot of the materials, everything is being done in-house. So I'm saving money there. Whereas, and like I said, I'm having I'm still gonna have great margins. And the reason why I just decided to to just keep it at 350 and i've had people tell me you're charging too little like what's wrong with you and i'm like guys i don't want to put myself up as this really unattainable brand that charges like like what 800 for a pair of headphones
1: yeah that's true right
0: i kind of want to be able to go mid-tier and then kind of eke out something here and then go down stateside right and then be, be able to mm-hmm. eke something out there as well and then and then basically taking and the exact same principles that I learned while I was building this brand and kind of scale it downwards so that we can get under $200 and we can go from 20 to $200. Right. Yeah. And then we can push that into stores and retail and then we could scale up and that's more for your, your celebrities, your, your more so affluent. Uh,
1: and I can see audience. like a few different options where maybe, you know, you got the $200 one that's like, still made like in canada or yeah. in the us whatever but it's like mass produced right it's like in a in a factory you've got your like 350 which is like the hand you know it was like you've got like an entry-level hand made one and then you've got like you know one for like a thousand it's like choose your wood yeah and they'll engrave your name and yeah. you know you want mahogany let's hook you we'll up for you. To no mahogany. problem we'll source it or like, for you, you know,
0: what 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 kind of wood are you using? So I'm looking at tone wood. So ash, oak, a few more. So right now I'm just looking. I'm I'm trying to reach out to, to some suppliers in and around where I am. And that's been interesting. But yeah, in, in terms of wood, it'll basically just be ash, oak, maple, and we'll kind of switch it up throughout the year and just to give uh, people a
1: different variety of really what we can do and how we can do it. Do do different woods impact the the sound? Not necessarily the quality, but like Cause there are different densities and things like that. Like, yeah. does it impact how the product actually sounds?
0: I mean, that's where you kind of get into tonewoods, right? So if you look at like, I would say, rosewood is a good example of a tone wood, but it's really expensive. If you look at, I would just say as an example, birch. Some woods tend to absorb sound, whereas tone woods tend to make sound bounce off of them. Oh, interesting. Which is quite cool. If you go to a music studio, what you'll find is you might see some wood paneling
1: and that's what they're using for the acoustics oh. right so like the marketing angle is like music recording studio on your head <laughs> 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 right like, yeah. like 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 dmx rip um like music recording studio quality sound on your head basically that's cool
0: it's interesting the materials that i'm using are used in like f1 and and feet and all this really other cool stuff so i'm not necessarily designing a whole new earbud or headset or headphone i'm just reimagining what it could be and taking it up to a higher level
1: interesting and 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 so you're taking like existing headphone components and putting yeah. them in the yep. wood casing, basically.
0: Yeah. And even going as far as, because to be honest, this whole journey even started just from me wanting a good pair of headphones. And I'm like, I'm spending 350 for a pair of headphones that will only last me warranty-wise for the year. I'm only getting a set amount of options and, and I can only use it for so long and, and all this other stuff. So I kind of went through my own pain points. And I know that's one of the subtopics that we were gonna discuss is just solving our own problem. I kind of had to go back and say, okay, what would I like in my headphones? And then being able to say, okay, what would other people kind of like in their headphones and being able to actually ask
1: them. To your point, like that's, a, in my opinion, like there's a lot of different ways to go about starting a business. Like some people, they like look at the market and they say, Oh, there's an opportunity here. And then, you know, they take a more maybe scientific or academic approach to like starting a business, which there's nothing wrong with that. Personally, I could never do that because I have to care about the problem. Um, And so for any like entrepreneurs out there, like that's how I would recommend that they go about, I, I, I get asked is like, well, how, how do you come up with like an idea? Well, the easiest way to come up with an idea is like think about a frustration. <laughs> of your own life. Like, because if you have that that frustration, at least a million other people have that frustration. Yeah. And if you can get a million people to buy your product, like you're, set. you're good to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. You're good. <laughs> uh, you can probably sell that business and, you know, retire. Or you can just have a nice little income. So that's that would be like the first way is, like, Think of a problem in your own life and solve solve that problem. I also think another way to start a business, and I honestly think this is like overlooked. Um, have you ever heard of uh, L- Liquid Death, the water no. company? Mm-hmm. You've never heard of Liquid Death? No. Oh my gosh, dude! Okay, so the water category, mm-hmm. frankly, shouldn't exist in first world countries. Okay. Like you get, I mean, in most places not all in most ways you get clean water coming out of your tap that you can drink you yeah. know it juice right now flint michigan that's an exception right <laughs> there's some notable exceptions to that but oh, by and large you can get clean drinkable water out of your tap you can you can get a filter you can buy a you can buy a all water bottle like whatever right mm-hmm. like bottled water should it be the industry that it is because it's a waste of plastic it's a waste of fossil fuels to ship that around right there's a lot of like issues with all water yeah
0: um
1: so and it's it, it's a boring industry like yeah. ooh, sparklets <laughs> you know like not a sort of like emotional connection to sparklets so these guys i i don't know like the origin story but like they I actually heard, I heard it on like a podcast. I don't remember the the details. Basically like they started this company on like a joke and they put together a video just about the product. They didn't even make the product and the video like went viral and they're and the guy's are like, oh shit, like we should actually start this company. Yeah. <laughs> and they put water into cans yeah. and it's just like a death metal brand, but it's water. It's just water. That's it. Yeah and they're like blowing up right now. Hmm. Like they sell it for, I think in Canada, they sell it for like $2.30, you know, Canadian dollars per can. In the U S it's like $1.30 per can. I'm like, dude, you can get free water out of your tap. Yeah. Um, the other funny thing, this is like, the, the irony of this is astounding. So they, rightfully beer so. Can. They, I'm looking it out looks out like a beer out. can, like, yeah, yeah. Let's so, rightfully tests. so, they they talk shit on plastic. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. At the same time, they and I'm I'm not I'm I'm assuming that this is true that they're not you know lying about this. They say that their water comes from the Alps. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're taking water from Europe, and you're shipping it to the U.S. That would be. That if, makes no sense. Yeah. That, that makes literally zero sense. You have water in the U S keep like, you don't need to ship water across the Atlantic ocean. So it's just a marketing thing. So like I I bring this up, like you can take an existing product and bring it to a market that isn't being served by it or isn't being served by it in an appropriate way. Like they're just taking regular water and they're rebranding it as murder your thirst. That's it. Like, It's like, that's, it's, I mean, it's that simple and it's that complicated, right? They're obviously done an amazing job at it. Like someone else could have done the exact same thing and just fucked it up. Mm. Um, But like with my product, um, there are other small coffee shops that do it. But again, they're like, their, their market is not my market. Mm. So I have different channels of distribution. I have different messaging. I have different packaging. I'm working with different influencers. So you can have like the exact same product and go to two different go to two two different markets and you're never going to cross paths with that other company. Oh. And the people over here are never going to hear about you and the people over here are never going to hear about that because yeah. You're you're just in different areas.
0: It's interesting that a lot of people think that but they watch Shark Tank or Dragon's then and they think, I, I got to spend all this money on developing a new product. No, you just need to spend the time and figure out what are you annoyed with? What are you frustrated by? Like, yeah. like okay, if I have to if I have to roll out of bed, right? And I don't have something to make my bed up in the morning. That's a minor frustration. At least more so than at least so in my eyes because I'm, I'm a little bit lazy. Anyway,
1: anyway, that's the here or there. But hey, why don't you make... I never make my bed. Yeah. Why don't you make... So someone should take this idea, make a bed sheet and a bed sheet and a, um, a comforter combo that has magnets on the end. Yes. So so you toss it and the magnets suck it down and you have a perfectly made bed every time. And all you gotta do is toss it. Yeah. Someone should take that idea.
0: I'm telling you the, the bedding industry, as well as the actual textile industry would shift drastically because a lot of people don't necessarily make their bed at the time or they're doctors or lawyers and they're really up and up and moving around and they are they have kids and kids don't want to make their bed that would kind of be a fun way to make your bed and just go toss it and then it just does yeah that'd be awesome right i'm gonna put that on linkedin today oh please do
1: (laughs) have you ever heard of hush blankets you know I think I'm connected with the founder on LinkedIn. Like so i see seen name, but I don't know anything about the company, but so, I, I've
0: seen it. Hush Blankets actually makes weighted blankets to actually help with people with autism, anxiety, uh, people oh. who, who can't necessarily sleep. I've been following their brand for since they started, actually, which is interesting. It could be a very, very interesting for them to even look at. I definitely buy it because, of course, I i just said that I, I can make my bed i just sometimes i just i'm not like you know what i need to kind of get up and get my day going i don't necessarily want to take the time to to make it and to have something as convenient as that would be of course
1: beneficial yeah i'm, I'm super lazy i don't make my bed <laughs> i i also usually get out of bed like before my wife yeah and so like i mean we're both not like bed making people and i'm yeah. not going to go back later and make it and she doesn't care and so it just never gets made yeah. but that's okay yeah. Like, I'm not perfect. I'm an imperfect human being. That's yeah.
0: cool. Whatever. And the one thing that really kind of annoys me and just around the accelerator space is that more or more so pitching and investors is that they always ask, is it new to market? And I'm like, not necessarily, because to actually bring something to market, it's expensive. It is extremely expensive. If people took the time to actually look at the pain points in their life and realize, okay, we can do it better and this is how we're going to do it. Then the a lot more profitable businesses would actually be around today. And the failure rate wouldn't be as high.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the failure rate is <clears throat> in part and partly due to people trying to go too big too quickly and not like, taking that like lean startup approach. And I, I don't actually believe that there's anything as like a quote unquote, like true invention, right? Like every invention is really an iteration on something else. Like even Uber was an iteration on taxis. You're like, hey, ta- it's basically a taxi, but you just call it with your app. And instead of a taxi, it's just like a random person. And even as as a monumental shift as that was, of course at the time that was like unheard of but it is it wasn't like a it wasn't something that i mean i bet you someone thought of like the uber idea i bet you a, th- a million people thought of uber before uber did it yeah. and my point of that is not to disparage uber my point of that is to highlight the importance of execution yeah. like a lot of people have ideas like when I go talk to people about my my coffee, my coffee company, they're like, oh, like, I've been wondering why someone hasn't done that before. Like I a hundred hundreds of people have said that to me. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm, I'm glad I was the one that just did it. Like <laughs> it, uh, Ideas are cheap. It, it, it's about the execution yeah. and it's about executing it in the right way. Like the Airbnb guys They would like follow people to like their houses. Like it's kind of like a weird story and they would stay in places (laughs) and like they would like take the pictures for the, like the original hosts, right. It wasn't like what Airbnb is today. Like in comparison to what Airbnb is right now, it sucked. It was, it was a terrible service. And this kind of goes back to like, like the airplane or like the, the the battery example, Mm. Every company, like my product currently has a sticker as, a, as, a, as like the branding that sucks, but you got to get through the shitty first part before you get to the nice V2 or V3 or V4 or V10. Like you had to start off at with an MVP that like might not be amazing, but there's a lot of people that like MVPs. Like there's a lot of people that like, you know. On like the cutting edge, like the early adopters, they're into that thing. Like they don't care if it's not like the best product. They want to be the first ones.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you kind of brought that up. Apple is a master at doing this. Apple, Xbox and PlayStation or or Sony, sorry, are masters at doing this. Yeah. Um when those three companies come up with a product, there are lines out the door. I used to do stocks in high school and I could tell you down almost to the day when Apple's stuff would come out and the stock price would shoot up and it would be crazy. And people would line up outside of the stores and the intents and do all this other crazy stuff. And then if you look at the new Xbox and PS5 that just came out, they're charging what? I think it was what twelve hundred bucks? All because they ran I... all because they ran out of stock.
1: Yeah. I... I don't even have a TV, so I, I couldn't tell you prices on video games. But that's crazy. But yeah, I mean the like you create a brand, like people will clamor to be to be the first ones. Especially, you know, if you're Playstation, you haven't released a new PlayStation in, you know, five years or whatever. It's been a while. But yeah, like, and there's like kind of like this like drop culture right now, you know, on like Instagram and TikTok, where you know you're like collaborating, you're like dropping big things, but you're like, hey, we only got like a hundred of these shirts, or, you know, whatever, right? Like it it is it is about scarcity and making people. I think more so than ever, people want to feel like they're a part of something, they're a part of like a movement, and I I do think it's because like social media, while it's kind of marketed as like, Hey, like just go in there and connect with people. Like, you're just going to have these, all these connections and you're going to feel good about yourself. Like the reality of social media is like, yeah, they up feeling less connected <laughs> and there's a lot of research around that. And so brands that are successful, they can make people feel like they're a partisan. Like, I think as humans, we, we, we crave that, like that, that herd kind of um, mentality, herd, herd mentality is kind of like said, in like a negative way, yeah. but we crave like a community. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you can get that with like your family. You can get that with brands. You can get that with sports teams. Like whatever, whatever it is for that person. Like people want to feel like like they're they're a part of a story.
0: And you, even to your influencer point, I was actually on LinkedIn and I saw this post uh, by Chris Mead, one of the founders of Cross that crossnet yeah crossnet yeah. amazing company they have a super bright future I- i'm really excited to see where they're gonna go uh but they brought up something that i had never heard of before um, having influencers on retainer it blew my mind i'm like that's true i mean you could technically have a set dollar amount for your influencer for the month and every single week you'll get a fresh new content or one day out of the week you'll get fresh content
1: yeah um so that's actually something that I'm actually doing right now as well. Yeah. So, and we'll, 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 ha- we'll have to end on this. Um, so I'm launching an ambassador program and mm-hmm. that's really like how I plan on doing my marketing at least initially. So what I did is I, I, I found a virtual assistant in the Philippines, highly recommend for any on entrepreneur to get a, a virtual assistant. Um, you know, you can get like a specialized one or you can get like a more general purpose depending mm-hmm. on what your budget is, what you're trying to accomplish um and so she'll go on Instagram and TikTok and like research and find in- influencers mm-hmm. and um so I reach out to them, I say, Hey, like, you know, i I think you'll really like this product. I'm going up to like van life, camping, hike, hiking people, mm-hmm. I, I send them the product. And if they like it, I invite them to be part of the ambassador program. Mm-hmm. And actually I just sent out my first two emails yesterday for people who, you know, who I would like to have them join it. And so, so first of all, I, I want to bring, bring people together that believe in my vision. That's mm-hmm. number one. And then secondly, mm-hmm. like there's things that I want and there's things that they want. So what I'm looking for is regular exposure and and content. Mm-hmm. What they want is probably free product and they want money. Right. So, and I, so I actually, one of the girls emailed me back while we've been on this call, I, oh. I haven't looked at it yet. Um, I'm curious to see what she said, what she thinks about the program, but basically if they want to join it, they get an affiliate link. So every person that makes a sale or every person that clicks on their link and purchases through me, they would get a certain percentage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they get, free product every month, they get discount on additional product above and beyond. And there's like some other things, but those are like, like kind of like the main items mm-hmm. in, in exchange, I'm asking for a post or like a, a mention a week, basically. Like it doesn't have to be on the feed, but it could be on like their story or their or their Instagram mm-hmm. or their, their TikTok profile. And then like one photo or one video a month that I can use on my social properties, there's like an exchange of value here where they feel like, like they're a part of something they're getting. They're getting free product. They're getting paid off of the affiliate sales. And then in return, I'm getting m- marketing and content. Now <laughs> we'll see if people go for it. Like, I, I don't know, like I've never done one of these and like, maybe that's, maybe I'm asking too much. Like I'll find out.
0: It's it's interesting. Um, let me know how it goes. So thank you so much Zach, you. for coming onto the podcast. Where can people find you on LinkedIn,
1: Instagram, your website, Yeah. So um, you you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Zach France, um, Z-A-C-H-F-R-A-N-T-Z. You can find me on our website, www.wildlandcoffee.co. Those are like the two best places to uh, connect with me. All right.
0: Thank you so much, Zach.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Josh.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Why Mastermind. If you like what you heard, please write a review on any available podcast platform. You can also check out the website at www.ymastermind.ca or www.ymastermind.com for more amazing episodes, come on the show yourself, or have your business or event sponsored and other goodies. The podcast is available on all podcasting platforms. You can follow me on LinkedIn at Joshua Bennett. Links to topics articles, guest contacts, and other information will be in the podcast description. Till next time, stay healthy, stay happy, and if nobody told you this today, I love you.